It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Carolina Panthers have begun their search for a new head coach and general manager. We'll talk more in depth about it here on this edition of Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, the part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and this special Saturday edition of the show. Be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I talk about the Carolina Panthers, of course, with you on Fridays for the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. And be sure to subscribe and follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to to your favorite podcast here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by GameTime. It, it, download GameTime app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode, Mike K of the Charlotte Observer is going to join us, and he's going to give us some more insight into the Carolina Panthers general manager and head coaching search. So that coming up here right now on Locked on Panthers. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers. And as promised, Mike K of the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Also, check out his podcast, Processing Blue, which he does with his Charlotte Observer contemporaries, uh, Scott Fowler, Langston Wartz, Alex Zeitlow, covering the Carolina Panthers. Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry, I, I look like I'm very disheveled. Uh Kind of a lot of coming and going and also playing, uh, you know, Mr. Mom and that stuff. Yeah, hey, it's a, it's a busy time for us all. And it became busier on Monday morning when the Carolina Panthers opted to relieve Scott Fitter of his duties as a general manager. I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone. I was just curious, why did it take until the season was over for David Tepper to make this decision? And why it wasn't made six and a half weeks ago when he parted ways of Frank Reich as well? What do you think of the decision that he made and the timing for Scott Fitter being relieved of his duties here in Carolina? Well, I've long believed outside of PR, there's really no point in firing a GM midseason unless that guy is a complete nightmare behind the scenes. And by all accounts, Scott Fitter was an extremely well-liked guy, didn't cause a lot of problems. If you look at the locker room, it wasn't like anybody like really raged against the machine, so to speak. Like It was pretty much business as usual there. And so I think it didn't kind of make sense. You're not really giving a guy an audition after six weeks. You also don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to hire somebody. Like we learned from last year, there was a lot of pushback after Steve Wilkes was not hired and rightfully so. Um, And so I think strategically moving on from the GM mid season didn't really offer a lot of benefit at where in, you could actually look at the entire situation. I, you know, from the outside looking in, you could say to yourself, maybe Tepper didn't want to fire Fitterer. But once you finish with uh, the worst record in the history of the 17 game season, it's like, what else can you do? And so I think when you're evaluating everything as a whole, it's easy to fire the head coach because they're front facing during the season. The GM is not somebody who's front facing. 
I'm sure at some point they considered, you know, let's have him be part of the process. Mm-hmm. And if a head coach wants his guy, we'll move on to the GM stuff. But clearly there was a lot going on as far as wanting to change the structure of this front office. Yeah, and I was just wondering, knowing that Frank Reich, is, he's 1-10, in 10, the record's not great, he's gone. It, all likelihood, Scott Fitter was not going to survive. All the reporting at that time was he has not been giving assurances that he was going to stick around. So I was just wondering, what in the next six weeks is going to change David Tepper's perspective on Scott Fitter and whether he should be here in Carolina? He's already been here for two seasons prior to that, where the Panthers didn't have much success. Now, there's a lot of questions, and I don't think it's as simple as, oh, Scott Fitter he wasn't a good general manager and you point to some of the signings, some of the trades and some of the draft picks. You look at Matt rule. I had a lot of control. You look at some of the, the, some of the guys, the coaches clearly wanted to have on this staff. I don't know if you can simply just say it's all on Scott bitter and we'll maybe never know what decisions that he actually wanted to make and was not able to make or what decisions he was against. And the Carolina Panthers ended up making, but I feel like overall after Frank Reich, was relieved of his duties, it made sense to go clean slate, have Scott Bitter depart, and then bring in a new GM. So they are looking at general managers across the NFL. And I want to get your perspective on these guys. Because honestly, when it comes to head coaches, head coach candidates, I feel like it's easier to evaluate because you can look at, okay, he's a defensive coordinator, has a really good defense, maybe could be a good leader as a head coach. Same thing with the offensive coordinator. Same thing with some of these former coaches, like a Bill Belichick that's available, uh, Jim Harbaugh that's available. It's easy to kind of identify who the quality coaches potentially could be. Looking at the general manager list, who are some of the names that stand out to you, Mike, as somebody that may be a good fit here that David Tepper may be leaning towards as the next general manager as they start that process here this week as well? Well, first let's talk about who's not on the list. So Adam Peters, okay. the assistant GM from San Francisco, and uh, Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM from Chicago. Those two guys are considered like the top executive candidates, those future GMs. Okay, We've seen reports now that from several people that Washington has narrowed their search to those two guys. Um, both of those guys have interviewed for positions with the Panthers in the past. Peters interviewed for the GM job in 2021. Uh, Cunningham, I believe, interviewed for the assistant GM job uh, shortly after. Um, and so I would say that is very interesting. When we look at this entire group, though, a lot of nerds, uh, <laughs> a lot of guy, calculator guys, Um I had a, a few of them on my huge list of 18 potential logical guys to look at. Nick Mateo from Baltimore is a guy who is known as more of a numbers guy. Uh, Brant Tillis from the Chiefs, known as a numbers contracts guy. Alec Hallaby from the Eagles, known as a contract, well, more so an analytics guy. Right. But he has a personnel background. I think those guys are pretty interesting. Brandon Brown uh, was in Philly when I was there. The past few years, he's been an assistant GM with the Giants. I fall in line more with wanting to hire a personnel-driven GM. I know that didn't work out with Scott Fitterer, but that doesn't mean that all personnel GMs are not, you know, qualified. I think you'd see that a lot of success has come from there. That said, the league has started to kind of move away. Minnesota, Philadelphia have GMs who are who are numbers-based guys, and I think – What's interesting here is Dan Morgan's still around. He's handling personnel. And so maybe, you know, you know, Tepper was hesitant to get rid of Fitterer. Maybe it's that he wants to promote Dan Morgan, who is respected in league circles as an evaluator, but doesn't view him potentially. This is this is my perception. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, 
I don't want to be like, hey, he doesn't think Dan Morgan can, you know what I mean? Because people will take it that way. Maybe it's that he wants to partner him with a guy who's very good from an operational analytics money standpoint, because Morgan is so personnel driven that you need kind of to fill gaps right in the front office. And so Mike Disner to me is the most interesting guy. So he's the COO for the Detroit Lions. To me, that screams, that's not a GM. That's a a, a president of football operations, a VP, a guy to oversee. And so in that way, maybe it makes it more palatable keeping Dan Morgan. Uh, Disner has a lot of experience in the league. He's worked with the Cardinals. He's been been around uh, for quite some time. He's worked with the NFL. He's worked in labor operations. Like he's been kind of everywhere. And so I think he's kind of interesting. I think a guy that we haven't seen confirmed is potentially being a candidate, Adrian Wilson, uh, who did interview for GM jobs in the past, went to NC state, came home. Uh, another internal candidate as well. Cause he's another right potential in- internal candidate. He, mm-hmm. in he, brings a lot of what Dan Morgan brings to the table. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these higher ranking guys view him as a potential solution. Brent Tillis, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback asking uh, agents about him, really shrewd negotiator. Um, but then again, maybe he he renders Samir Suleiman obsolete. You, you know, like yeah. this, this is going to be a vast search and there's going to be a lot to take into account. And the Panthers have retain sportsology as an advising firm. I like I, I think Tepper realizes last year's collection of leadership did not did not make the mark. I yeah. mean they were part of the group that identified Bryce Young as the first overall pick. They were also the group that identified Frank Reich as the head coach. And I think sometimes you need external voices to siphon through what you don't know. Okay. I like that. And I'm going to ask you about that too. And I want to ask about some of the other things, the internal candidates that are up for GM and looking at some of the backgrounds of some of these guys that we talked about. So more with that, with Mike K and me, Julian Council here on Locked On Panthers in just a moment. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you to expect when you arrive all in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees buy tickets in seconds with just two taps take guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nfl that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-f-l for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed this Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, Mike. So we were talking about sportsology. It is the sport, the search firm that's going to help David Tepper. I am so used to search firms when it comes to college searches, and I find it to be in a way lazy. I would imagine like ADs at those schools would know the list of like Alabama, Nick Saban, that job's open. You cannot tell me that Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, does not know who he wants to contact. In the same way, you can't really tell me that any of these owners don't really know who they want to contact as far as the head coach. The NFLPA did a survey that came out a week ago, and they told us all of the, the coaches, the players respect the most, who they feel should get an opportunity to potentially be a head coach. So I'm just trying to understand what exactly is the role this search firm is going to play here in Carolina, and how is that necessarily going to change how things have gone in the past with David Tepper's decision-making? Because at the end of the day, it is his decision who's going to be the next head coach and general manager here in Carolina. Well, they're advising. They're not doing the actual search. I think this is their sounding board, essentially, sure. to understand what works. Now, they've worked in many different facets around the league. Uh, they come pretty highly touted. Um, look, you, you know when your friend who has no, no you know, skin in the game on a decision weighs in and just tells you the blunt truth? Yeah. That's probably what this advisory firm is supposed to do, right? Like, you know, if, if there's a guy that you fall in love with, maybe you need an outside voice to say, hey, look, just objectively, this doesn't make sense or this might not work. Or have you thought about this? Like, mm-hmm. yes, ultimately, this is going to this is going to be Tepper's decision. Um, but I do think added perspective from the outside kind of takes away the emotion and the uh, desires that come with leading a surge. Like you could fall in love with somebody you talk to. Um, that doesn't mean they're great for the job. I think last year they learned that just because a guy maybe didn't stand out in the interview process doesn't mean he would have been a bad, a good hire or a bad hire, right? Like to me, interviews, like when you're doing Zoom interviews, those are very, very hard. I know it's easy for you and I to to chat back and forth on here, yeah. But you know, multi, multi, multi million dollar companies, billion dollar companies having to make a huge decision whether they push a guy through to the next round via a Zoom call. That's tough, right? And so I think you need as much perspective as you can. And I think sometimes internally, when you're looking at it to save your job or looking for somebody who's like-minded with you, you miss the forest for the trees. I think having somebody weigh in who is not going to be affected by this long-term decision, who is yes. not going to have their jobs affected by this, it, it is reasonable. I think that that's the reason why you hire an advisory firm is because they can be the person who Monday morning quarterbacks you. Like, we make a living 
with our analysis, right? Like we yeah. are the ones that say, hey, you did this wrong or hey, you did this right. This process was wrong. This process was right. Well, there are people that actually advise for a living and they're kind of helping in this search essentially. Yeah, I still see search firms as one of the best grifts going on out there that they're getting a ton of money to give you basically a list and help you do this. But hey, hopefully, because with David Tepper, I did not mind the process of how they went about things last year with both getting a quarterback because they had a huge traveling ban. I didn't really mind all of that. It was a different approach than what he had did the first time around with Matt Rule as well with the coaching search last year where he cast a white net, talked to more people, had more people involved. I appreciated it and fine. I think as far as optics goes, this is a good thing to do. I think even just from the surface, even for a person who believes that search firms are a grift, this is a good thing to do just to get other perspectives. And David Tepper certainly needs to try to change something up because what's happened before has not led him to making the proper decisions and leading to wins here in Carolina. Getting back to some of the internal candidates here in Carolina, Dan Morgan right now is acting GM for the Carolina Panthers. Got Samir Suleiman, who's also going to interview. He's been the cap guy here in Carolina the last couple of seasons. And you have Adrian Wilson, who you were saying potentially could be up there for the job. Realistically, how good of a chance do you think any of those individuals have? And for a guy like Morgan and even Suleiman, who have been here for a couple of years under Scott Fitterer, who have overseen what has been one of the worst, what is one of the worst rosters in the NFL, should they even truly be considered or should it be complete clean slate with the front office and bringing in this general manager, maybe letting allowing them to bring in their own people? I think the second question is really the one that, that David Tepper has to answer, right? Like, again, there's so much clouded judgment here, right? You brought up process before, and I always talk about this. Every time I'm on your show, there's a difference between process and practice. I don't think the Panthers have had terrible process throughout this. I think their execution has been awful. That's the problem. And so when you're looking at personnel and evaluation, I don't know how you can really judge when Matt Rule, who is a coach, was taking over that evaluation standpoint and overseeing it essentially with his decision-making for two years. And then you get a year of uh, Frank, uh, Frank Reich and and Scott Fitterer, where it seemed like ownership was kind of telling them, Hey, you need to collaborate as much as possible. I, I think it's a weird situation. I'm not trying to like, you know, cop out this answer, but like, mm-hmm. There's so much that we don't know that David Tepper probably does know. And so in evaluating Dan Morgan, I think Dan Morgan's got a shot. Okay. I do. I I think he's got a legitimate shot. That's, I mean, look, here's some interesting tidbits. Before the Cowboys game, Dan Morgan, when this team is like one in whatever, uh, is out there pounding the keep pounding drum. That would be insane to do in most cities like that are very, very much aware of, hey, this team is bad and you're putting out one of the executives. I don't care that he plays for the team. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like In Philadelphia, Brent Selleck is a, and Darren Sproles are like special assistants to to the Howie Roseman. They're both beloved. But if the, if that team was like two and 15 or two and 13 at the time and Wouldn't they were fly. leading the charge, it would be booze. And, and just vitriol, like it would be awful. So I think like, 
I think that's kind of an interesting thing. They've featured guys around. The messaging has been interesting. That said, the Panthers haven't really like, you know, woohoo, Samir and, and Dan are going to interview either. Yeah. So the, it's very interesting. I, I think it's a, you know, I think the right leadership could make Dan Morgan a really successful person as a GM. I don't know if the right leadership is there right now above him. Right, right. And I feel like here, especially where the organization's at right now, where the fan base psyche is, like nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And people are really smoking that nostalgia of the Carolina Panthers right now. And any sort of feel good out there, like a Dan Morgan, having been a player, gone to winning organizations, Seattle and Buffalo, then coming back and helping rescue the organization. Like, I think sentimentally for fans, like they would love to see that. We continuously, I get asked every week, hey, Cam Newton, what could he do with this organization? I mean, Christy Coleman's already the team president. I don't think David Tepper is going to fire her to bring in Cam Newton. Could he potentially play a role in this organization in terms of like fan engagement to get people back invested in the Panthers. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I don't know what exactly Cam Newton coming back to the organization is going to change things, but people, the nostalgia, the hope of maybe a former great coming back here, being within the organization changes the product down the field. I'm not saying that would be the case. I'm not saying that's not going to be the case, but I feel like a little bit of that's what's in play when it comes to just a fan perspective of Dan Morgan. But organizationally, I, I do wonder if, because you bring up like there's a bunch of, guys who have like the, the numbers background of like, Oh, I feels like everybody I looked at when breaking down these candidates all had worked to salary cap or his contract negotiations. And you brought up Brandon Brown, the assistant general manager for the giants. He's pretty much the only personnel guy, one of the only of the candidates that are up here. So it'd be interesting. Maybe if it's going to be the pairing of Dan Morgan really is a personnel guy here as assistant general manager, be six around. And then Tepper hires one of these uh, other numbers guys these nerds as you uh as you bring them up here to be the oh that's how guy. they've been presented to me sure so sure, I, sure sure that's why i went nerd like <laughs> i don't want i don't want that ownership you know what i mean um mike k called them all nerds y'all <laughs> well no, no. I, look, I know that sometimes stuff gets taken out of context and the reason why i go on your show is you allow me to acknowledge the context so please <laughs> um you know, I know we've talked a lot about GMs, but I think from like the head coaching standpoint, that also well, is well, going to determine who well, is. Let's hold on. Well, hold on there for a sec, Mike. Because I, I, we're going to, I want to take a break. You'll get there. But let me ask you this before we take a break, because I do want to get in a head coach. And there's something I saw, Joe, person I reported, and you kind of alluded to it. And it was when you brought up uh, Disner, mm -hmm. Mike Disner, Detroit Lions, C COO. David Tepper, is there an appetite there for him to want to have? Uh, go between like a senior vice president that's uh, of course above the general manager above the head coach that can be the person who reports David Tepper and not having David Tepper be so involved with the head coach like the weekly meetings of Frank Reich and with the general manager does there feel like there's any momentum because I had saw Joe person had reported that have you heard anything that would lead you to believe that might be something that happens here in Carolina yeah why else interview Disner okay. I mean and, and look, here, here's what I'll say. Typically, when when you hire a negotiator and a guy from a better – from a like, you look at Tillis, you look at Mateo, those guys come from teams that are perennial winners. And so they understand how to build culture and character around the organization. Those guys are typically well-built to be EVPs, to be overarching guys, to be these presentable dudes. And so I think – 
I think they're looking for more than a GM in a lot of these candidates. Hallaby is would not be a prototypical GM if you were okay. hiring him. He's a little bit off off the interesting path. Like he's grown under Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman is a GM, but he also has like an overarching sort of thing that he's grown into. I think from your standpoint, like looking from the outside, the question I would ask myself as, as a reporter, as a fan, as just an outside spectator would be, well, why do that? Like, you know, the, you know, the, the famous, like, why would they do that? You know what I mean? Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And I, I think, look, I think it depends on the way they do this all together, right? If a if a head coach wants a specific GM, if a if a GM wants a specific head coach, I think there's like a lot in play here. A lot of fans called for a clean slate. Well, when you get a clean slate, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think you I've heard written about this for months. I think it would behoove Tepper to find somebody as a kind of middle of the road voice between him and the GM and somebody who can oversee and be front facing. Like Tepper should not be the face of this organization. It should be someone who has a long history in the NFL, who is coming from a place of success who understands culture building. Now, Disner's only been there for a couple of winning seasons. Sure. But he's seen how to build a team over the last several years, and now they are having unprecedented success. I think there's something to be said about that, especially when we've seen some of these Tepper press conferences. If you hire the guy to be the kind of the mouthpiece of your organization, Tepper is less likely to be thrown into the fray. And I think that that's pretty helpful for him from a from a PR standpoint. I also think, you know, from a controlling himself with how he he operates from a personnel standpoint is really important. Yeah. And the last time that he uh, spoke, you could see he didn't appear to be somebody actually want to be up there answering any of the questions. We still don't know why he fired Matt Rule and we don't know why he fired Frank Wright. Uh, we, we do know, but he won't tell us why exactly he decided to do that. But I want to talk about that coaching candidate. Spent a lot of time talking about general manager. Let's talk about some of the guys that are available, that are out there, the Panthers have requested to talk to. There's still some time before that can really happen as far as the in-person interviews goes. And, of course, there's some internal candidates as well. So we'll do that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. I know we come to sports to escape from the crazy realities of life, but can we talk just for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if you or one of your loved ones got sick while a supply, while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, it will be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. 
Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, back here on Locked On Panthers, Julian Council with Mike K of the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Check out his podcast there at the Observer with Scott Bauer, Langston Wartz, and Alex Zeitlow, Processing Blue, where they cover the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, subscribe to your local paper. Do it. Um, all right, Mike. So we talk about general managers, talk about potential of a EVP, SVP, something to be a go-between uh, with the general manager, the head coach, and David Tepper. And I think it would make a lot of sense to do that. Maybe that will be the case here structurally in Carolina. Looking at head coaches. Panthers have been known for a while that they're going to be looking for a new head coach. And we are now close to that point where they can actually speak to people in person as the NFL has tried to slow down that process, which I think is a smart thing. The focus of January should actually be on the games, not who's going to be the next head coach. It make more sense for that to be in February than March, free agency, April, the draft, and on and on and on. Looking at it, do you think – they're going to hire a head coach before a general manager, or is it going to be GM before head coach? Because you were kind of alluding to who gets hired as GM might be dependent upon who gets hired as head coach. How do you see that kind of playing out here? I think it depends. I hate to cop out again. I think uh, it Nope. I think it depends <laughs> on how the playoff structure turns out, right? Like, we saw what happened last year with Arizona, where it was just kind of like – they had to throw it together right away after the Super Bowl, and I don't think David Tepper wants to be that guy. He had no reason to rush Frank Reich as the hire, and he did it anyway. Mm, yes. These new rules kind of change things, but like if it's a Bill Belichick, if it's a Jim Harbaugh, he doesn't have to really wait. I think you know we don't know if they're going to interview as of today, but that said, I think what's interesting is like Disner – has worked with Ben Johnson for a pretty long time. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think Mateo, again, has worked with Munkin and McDonald. Like, there are some easy, you know, things to kind of look at in, in this way, like a wavelength of, like, what's going on here. I think, you know, Hallaby's worked with Brian Johnson. There are guys that can match make here. I think the right move is to take your time. There is no need to rush. Um, if you want to hire a guy who's in the Super Bowl, wait. That's just what you do. Um, yeah. That said, I don't think this job is anybody's true first choice. Outside of money, fine, whatever. Maybe I'm like, you know, I'm sure people in the comments will be like, Mike's, Mike's always negative. And then there will be people that were like, Mike was praising all the moves last year. No, I wasn't. I'm just going to shoot it straight with you. This job, let's look at it, right? You have the yeah. worst roster in the league with the worst record in the league. They don't have the first, they don't have a first round pick. Uh, your best two of your best three defensive players are about to hit free agency. Uh, one's likely to get the franchise tag and then hold you up for a market setting contract. Yeah, you have a lot of cap space, but guess what? Ten to twelve other teams have more. Um, then on top of that, last year you restructured a bunch of contracts, which makes it harder to move on from those guys this year. On top of that, your offense needs to be almost completely rebuilt outside of the 33-year-old leading wide receiver. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, you're fully invested, at least for the next two years, in Bryce Young because the ownership was all in and traded, you know, stuff that's not going to be completed until 2025 when the bears have their second round pick. 
this is not necessarily an appealing job for a, for a roster builder. It's just not. And then from the head coaching standpoint, you better have been all in on Bryce Young and still be, be all in on Bryce Young as the Panthers were last year. Or what is this job to you? And trust yeah. me, there were people out there who viewed him as the runaway number one guy. There were. It wasn't as like apparent as like an Andrew Luck style draft, but there were people who really were all in on, on Bryce Young and thought he should have been the top guy. So I think like, yeah, there's going to be interest out there. But you've also now seen Bryce out of the box. You've seen him struggle mightily. Granted, his supporting cast was horrific. And, you know, there's going to be questions about the offensive line. There's going to be questions about who are you going to keep from this coaching staff. Um, another thing is the if Evero doesn't get a head coaching job, is this guy, you know, willing to partner with Evero? Because my impression is that Tepper would like to keep Evero if he doesn't land a head coaching job. Yeah. It's that's interesting. And it, Mike, you, you don't have to worry about the commenters. This team just went two and 15. Like this is my hometown. I, I do a daily podcast. You cover the team. Like I, I want to see the team be successful because it's way more fun to cover a successful team than what we just had to endure this year and the last couple of seasons. So I want them to do, do, do well, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to people. And I want you to come up here and lie to people. This organization has never had back-to-back -back winning seasons. So no one is allowed to ever call anyone covering the Carolina Panthers negative until they get back-to-back -back winning seasons then and, or go to the playoffs at some point soon. I don't want to hear anybody saying, oh, you're being negative. Negative. Well, tell the team to do better. Be mad at your team for not winning, not the people for commenting on the realities of your team being among one of the worst franchises in the NFL currently. But speaking with Jerry Overo, he was requested to interview down there for the D.C. job in Jacksonville. The Panthers said no to that. He's going to interview for a second year in a row here in Carolina. I'm very curious to know what exactly his pitch was last year, which did not lead him to get the job, but led him to get the D.C. job. And now looking at how he was able to put together a mass unit and still have, as far as yardage goes, one of the top five defenses in the league. And now it's a year later. What exactly may have changed? So looking at that situation, I don't know how it's going to play out. Because to me, if he's not going to be the head coach, then I don't think David Tepper can just hold him hostage. Yes, he's under contract the next two years. But if you don't see him fit to be your head coach, and yes, it may be ideal to pair him with an offensive mind, that's what you want to do. But is it right to, to force the guy to stay here? If you don't want him to be the head coach, it's going to be second year in a row. Those are just some thoughts I, I'm thinking in my head. I, I would love to know your thought and perspective on this whole deal with Jero Vero. How many things has David Tepper done right? <laughs> yes. uh, no, I mean, I, look, here's what I would say. It's common practice when you have a head coaching, a head coach open, opening to uh, decline a lateral or even move. Um, that is, I mean, we're seeing it throughout the league. Uh, we've seen position coaches get blocked for the same job. We've seen coordinators get blocked from the same job. That's just what happens um, because typically you want to, if you really respect somebody, you want to be able to give that head coach the best options possible. Oh, also you're already owing them money. So look, I think, I think Evero is a guy who a lot of people think very highly of. He's gotten a lot of publicity from insiders, um, glowing reviews from the people that I talk about talk to. I think it, it matters whether you're open to hiring somebody on the defensive side of the ball. And look, this team put up goose eggs the last two games of the season, which would 
probably fueled the desire to hire an offensive coach, even though it didn't work out this past time. So, look, I think Frank Smith, the Dolphins offensive coordinator, who I've heard a ton of good things about, is a really good match with Evero. They both have the same agent. Ben Johnson is the same agent as Evero. Uh, So does Bobby Slowick. Like, there's connections there. And so maybe you look at it as that. But I think, like, from Evero's standpoint, Evero is a, they they probably want to see how the dust settles here. I think a lot of coaches on the staff want to see how the dust settles. If um, it's not if it's not him, because he's as a defensive minded coach, would you? Because okay, could you see them hiring Mike McDaniel or Mike 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 McDonald rather, Raheem Morris or Dan Quinn if they're instead because they're defensive minded? You already have a guy internally who interviewed for five jobs last year who probably is going to be head coach. If they're going to go defense, wouldn't you think it would just be him? Because that's kind of similar like last year with Steve Wilkes. If you're going to go defense, why not go with the guy you already have in-house who had Jeff 500 and when he took over and had you right there in position to be in the playoffs? Logically, yes. Um, I think that's what the big difference is. Steve Wilkes isn't here, right, like from last year. Like if you were going to hire a defensive coach, it should have been Wilkes, right? Um, And I think there's validity to saying that about Evero. You know, if I'm Evero, I'm saying, listen, you like me enough to keep me as defensive coordinator. I can go and get a Shanahan, you know, disciple and call my off and have them call my offense. This is not like I can do what D'Amico Ryans has done. I can do what, you know, other defensive minded coaches have done in this league. Um, If everybody else loves me so much why not consider me a finalist? You know, I mean, I I do think there's some validity to that question. I think Tennessee is very interesting. I, they, as of now, they have not requested an interview with Evero, but to me, that would be the job that would make a ton of sense for him. Uh, same with Steve Wilkes, who I don't think has gotten an interview there. I, I believe it's been reported that he's got interviews with the chargers and the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where, like, if you're all in on offense, don't waste other people's time. So McDon- McDonald's a really interesting guy. I mean, the past few years have been incredible for that defense. He's also had a lot of talent there. So you can't really – I don't know how easy it is to distinguish there. Maybe that's why you have an advisory committee. But, yeah. like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I look, I, I think hiring Evero makes a lot of sense. But that said – you know, again, this team has never kind of had a clean slate. Um, if you're willing to consider Dan Morgan for GM, you better consider Evero for head coach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, this, if that's the way you think. Now, that said, there is a lot of analytical reasons to go with an offensive-minded head coach. Um, you know, you don't want to lose the offensive system, but offensive systems get figured out. Defensive sy- systems get figured out. You want a true leader, and that's why I think Frank Smith makes a ton of sense. He's not a play caller. He's a designer, and he does a lot of things behind the scenes. There is you know, there is something to be said about losing an offensive coordinator after one or two years of success. Well, guess what, guys? You need to put some points on the board, and to have that success, you need to have the right leader. So right. if you lose a guy, that's a, that's a sign of success. Like, you know – you need some points on the like. I, they, I, I just don't. I don't get caught up 
and whether it's a defensive head coach or offensive head coach, Agreed. like, okay, cool. Like Ben Johnson, he has all, all these flashy plays, but can he lead a locker room? Like I, he can lead it seems right. the offensive side of the ball, but like are the defensive guys gonna respect him or the bottom of the roster guys or special teams players, are they gonna respect him? Like, can he respect an entire locker room? Like I, those are questions I can't already I can't answer. Like, I don't know. I feel like you're taking a risk either way, but like Dan Quinn. I've seen Dan Quinn have success in Atlanta. I understand things bottom out there in 2020 when they were 0-5 before he got fired. I understand they blew a 28-3 lead. That will always be hilarious. People here in Charlotte and throughout the rest of the NFC South, except for, of course, in Atlanta. Obviously, the funniest folks up there in New England. But I've seen the guy have success. And I, I have heard all about how beloved he is in Dallas. And I honestly wonder... You know, if the Cowboys lose this weekend, if he doesn't replace uh, Mike McCarthy. So I, Dan Quinn, like, I, I I feel good about that. I like Todd Munkin, what he's been able to do at Georgia, what he's gone and done with the Ravens so far. But there's this questions of whether they can lead. And I think we get too caught up in, oh, he's got to, whether he's going to call, like, is he going to call plays actually, or is he going to be focused on just being CEO? Like, if Ben Johnson comes here, I assume he's going to call plays, but is that actually going to happen? Like, Frank Smith? Not a play caller in Miami, play designer. Like, is he going to start calling plays all of a sudden here in Carolina? There's just things I don't get super caught up in when it comes to all of that. But I, I want to ask you this before we go because I got to get out of here. Um, three names, three thoughts, or one thought in each name. Um, Chris Tabor, who is, of course, interviewing for the job as well. He's Panthers interim head coach. We all know that. Bill Belichick, who's now available, and Jim Harbaugh, who now gets to sit at the big boys table during his family uh, holiday gatherings after winning national championship on Monday. Uh, a thought on each of those guys as we close the show out. I think Tabor's an excellent leader of men. I think he's a really sharp guy. I don't think there's enough sizzle there. I just, he interviewed virtually the other uh, yesterday to, or I guess Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah. Sorry. I'm losing my track of my days. Um, again, Mr. Mom this week. Uh, but as you can probably hear my kids like rolly thing. Right? I've heard a couple of things, but yeah, it's all right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what I would say is uh, I, I don't think he's going to be considered for the head coaching job. I think he would make a lot of sense as an assistant head coach, especially if you hired a first time head coach who needs a sounding board, who needs help with roster control, who needs help with understanding the, the game day roster and, and putting things together and needs a guy who can be an enforcer because Chris Tabor does a really good job of balancing his personality. Bill Belichick. Okay. So if you count playoff wins, he's 15 wins away from the all time wins record that Don Shula has. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to come to a team that is draft asset poor that offensively has potentially less talent than his New Orleans group that was just, or sorry, excuse me, New, New England. England group uh, that was horrific on offense. And I think like for him, you know, people aren't going to like this, but Atlanta makes a lot of sense because really what they need is a quarterback. And that's pretty much it. Like I actually am a fan of the way they built their roster Um and I like the ground and pound nature that they have. I think Belichick will appreciate that too. Um, if they could sign somebody like Kirk Cousins or, or trade for somebody in the Russell Wilson category, I think mm -hmm. maybe there's some some advantageous outlooks for Belichick there. I think Washington's kind of interesting for him too. Okay. Uh, because they're kind of in a similar spot and they own the number two overall pick. As far as uh, Harbaugh's concern, uh, he is a culture builder. He's an overarching guy. 
Um, I'm under the impression that he will be highly sought after, especially from teams in the AFC West. Yes. That's my understanding. Uh, That said, I think that I don't see how Harbaugh and Tepper would get along. Um, I could be wrong, but, you know. uh, I mean, the Michigan AD, Ward Manuel, had to come out and, like, put out a statement, like, on Monday. Be like, me and Jim, like, we're fine. Even though all the reporting the last five years has been, like, you guys have butted heads. And, like, we know that Jim Harbaugh weighs on people, like, in San Francisco the first time around. So yeah, I, no, I, I mean, there, there's no question, right? <laughs> and when you when you go to college, you can lord over people. You cannot do that in the NFL. And so I think, well, I think he can be successful in the NFL, and I think he'd be a logical coaching candidate. I just don't know if he meshes with the infrastructure of this organization. Now, that infrastructure could greatly change over the next couple of weeks. So who knows? Um if I can add one more name that I'd love to talk about that I go ahead. I, uh, so we talked about Todd Munkin, right? Uh-huh. He's got some head coaching experience at the college level. Mm-hmm. I think he is like sneaky. Interesting. Um, he is an adult. I mean, he is like an adult. He's been around the league. He's called plays. I think he's really interesting for a guy like Bryce Young. I think, There's stuff that they can do with him and his offense. Also, his understanding of talking to younger players. Like, he's just straight out of college, office coordinating, and being successful, right? Like, there is a mutual respect, SEC-wise, I'm sure, seeing what he's done. Um, He's not a guy I would have initially considered. But if they miss out on Ben Johnson, who, for all intents and purposes, might be the guy... um, I think Munkin's really interesting because he's been in so many different situations from an offensive standpoint. And I don't know that he necessarily needs to call plays. Uh, he's kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure he'd be the guy, but I, I, I oh, Hey buddy. Uh, Frank Smith to me is, is the, is the best non Ben Johnson candidate in, in my opinion of the guys that they are initially interviewing. All right. Love it. Mike K of the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. Check out his Carolina Panthers podcast of his colleagues over at the Observer. Scott Fowler, links and words. Alex Zeitlow, Processing Blue. Love what they do over there. And, of course, subscribe to your local paper. Why would you not support local journalism and the good people who are fine citizens? And if you want people to talk about your team, they're not doing it on ESPN that often. Now they do have Dave Moot and all that, but still they're not doing it on all the big publications, but they do it here locally with Mike K and those fine gentlemen over there at the observer. Mike, thank you again for your insight and your time, my friend. Hey, no problem. The kids saying, Hey, put me through college or trade school or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I was take a quick pause and I come back here and wrap up the show in just a moment. Good conversation there with Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer. Great insight on the general manager search here in Carolina and the head coach search as well. And again, I'm going to try my best to have people come on here, give me some insight, give you some insight, especially when it comes to GM. I just, I I don't really know how to evaluate a general manager. I can look at the resume and say, hey, that guy seems interesting. And I was interested by uh, Brent Tillis and also Alec Halaby, 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 however the hell you say his name. Um, I was interested, but also can't really sit here and... Mm, let's see, uh, give you an educated breakdown on these individuals because I don't really know. But as far as the head coach goes, 
a little bit easier. So appreciate Mike for uh, hopping on here on the show today. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a special Saturday edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast here, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to... Um, Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Friday uh, coming up, I'll answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.